Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to hear your word. We give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. We thank God for the camp meeting and this our last session and then we are back off. Amen. Open your Bibles with me to Galatians chapter 3. I'm going to read into two chapters. So I'm going to read Galatians chapter 3 verse 26 to the end and then pick up from chapter 4 right into verse 7. And I'm preaching on what I've entitled Sons and Earths. Sons and Earths. I read, For ye are sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye are Christ's, then are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Chapter 4, I read. Verse 1. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards unto the time appointed by the father. Even so, we, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Amen. Now, this book was written to one of the churches founded by Paul, and it's the church of Galatia, which is made up of Galatians. And he left the church after he founded the church. Today, during our Bible study, we learned something about an apostle. An apostle is not stationed in one location, so they move around. So Paul is an apostle planted the church, left and put a pastor in charge. And when he came back, the church had backslidden because it had given heed to false teachings that were going about. And the false teaching was, you can't be justified. When we talk about justify, justify simply means you have been acquitted. You are no longer guilty of sin. God has taken every punishment associated with your sin and placed it on his body. That's what it means you are justified. So justified is like just as if you've never sinned before. And when Paul started the church, he, he, he preached the message on justification that for one to experience acquittal of sins, not to be declared guilty, he has to make Jesus his Lord of his life. When Paul left, the message now that was being preached by the Jews was, if you want to be justified, you will have to obey the law. And, you know, if you know a bit about the Bible, the Bible lets us know that the law was given to the Jews. So the Jews were trying to say, for you to be called justified, you needed to be under the law. And when Apostle Paul came back and when he saw this strange teaching that had infiltrated the church, the Bible lets us know he was quite angry. So if you read the book of Galatians, Paul really had an angry tone when he was writing to the church. 
that how come you have slipped so much? Were you saved by faith or were you saved by works? Were you justified by faith or were you justified by works? So Paul in this scripture was making a case that for you to be called a son of God, and may I submit to you today that when the Bible calls a son of God, it's not gender bias. You know, in our English term, a son is for a male child. And then a daughter is for a female child. But when you read the Bible and when it uses the word sons of God, it has women included. So that's why when you read the Bible, you don't really see daughter of God. So if you're a woman, like, why is it that the Lord is not talking to me? He is talking to you, but he is addressing you as a son, okay? It's gender bias. Uh, so um, Paul was saying that for you to be called a son of God or a child of God, you will have to receive Christ. You have to receive him as your Lord and personal Savior. Have faith in the Lord Jesus. So Paul was reiterating the message on which he established the Galatian church. And I think there are some truths that I want to present to you this morning for our consideration before we embark off. Paul was talking to the church, of course, and the church had received Christ as their Lord and personal Savior. So he was saying that you all are sons of God. And like I said, a son of God is a title designated to a Christian. And you become a son through faith in Christ Jesus, not through any other means. It's not by observing the Ten Commandments that makes you a Christian. It is not by your good deeds that makes you a Christian. It is by having faith and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Believing that he is the one that puts an end to sin. The one that put his body down as a sacrifice that all of us could be saved and will be delivered from the wrath of God to come. That is how one becomes a Christian. And then Apostle Paul says something. He said, for as many of you have been baptized into Christ, you have put on Christ. Now, what's the meaning of this word, baptized into Christ? It's an expression. It's a euphemism. It's just talking about receiving Christ as your Lord and personal Savior. So if we have received Christ as our Lord and personal Savior, we have all received some sort of baptism. And that is why we normally follow receiving Christ as your Lord and personal Savior with water baptism. It is just symbolism. When you dip yourself into the water, it simply means that you are dead to sin. The old man of sin is dead. And when you come out of the water, it symbolizes that you have been raised with Christ to experience the newness of life. And how do you experience the newness of life? It is by when the Holy Spirit dwells on the inside of you. And I think yesterday, Pastor Robert did a great job touching on that. And one of the signs that the Holy Spirit will work in you is that he will help you to walk and give birth to the fruit of the Spirit, which is Christian character. And Pastor Robert did that. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Nine shades of them. This is what makes up the fruit of the Spirit. And when you put all this into a bucket, it's Christian character. So the Holy Spirit works in us, forms in us Christ-like character. And that is what it means we have been baptized into Christ. We've been baptized into Christ because our old man is dead. The old man of sin is dead. What you used to do, you will do it no more. It's crucified. It's dead. It's been buried. You go into the water. And then when you come out of the water, it means you have been raised with Christ 
to walk in the newness of life. And you can only walk in the newness of life courtesy of the Holy Spirit. So, he also said that we have put on Christ. And what does it mean to put on Christ? To put on Christ simply means to walk like him, to live like him in character. Amen. So now when we came into Christ, Apostle Paul made mention of some things. There are no more divisions. He talked about three things, race, class, and sex. There is no Jew nor Greek. He talks about race. So salvation has no prejudice. There is no bias to salvation. Salvation is for everybody. It's a free gift. Everybody can be a son of God. Everybody can be a Christian, irrespective of whether you are Jew or Greek, irrespective of whether you are black or white. You can be a Christian. Salvation is for all. Salvation does not have any exclusivity attached to it. Everybody can be a Christian. It has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with class, slave nor free. And in the old times, you know, it was under a climate of slavery. When you were under slavery, you were impoverished. Uh, You worked against your will. And you were subjected to a lifetime of debt. Because normally people who were enslaved, who were enslaved were sold because they could not pay their debts. And one of the ways they would fulfill or ratify or write off their debts was to serve their master. And sometimes you will serve your master until infinity. Sometimes too there is a, a, a timeline through which after service you will be released. And that is according to the master's goodwill. So class doesn't determine whether you can be a Christian. Christianity is for all. And the Bible lets us know male nor female. It's not about sex. And now when we look in today's world, these three things are responsible for the divide and the schism we experience in our world. Race. Race is a big thing. I mean, if you are in America and if you live here, I don't even need to touch on it. You know it by yourself when you look at the news. You, you, you can see it's, it's something real. And I think one of the ways by which we can deal with racism is to admit we are racist. You see, until we admit it, we will never be free of racism. If we always want to skirt around it and, you know, um, talk about it anyhow, we are never going to be free of that disease of racism. There is race. And and because of the plague of racism, it really shows in how people live. Class, it makes a huge difference. If you go to the bank today and if you want a loan, they want to know your zip code. Do you think they want to know your zip code because they like you? They want to know your zip code because your zip code will determine whether you will be able to pay the conditions and the terms regarding the loan. Oh, it's not really free. Even when you fill application forms, they will write underneath, we are equal opportunities employer. But then they will ask, have you been to jail before? Click yes. When you click yes, they'll say you we will hear from you. That's it. You even you will not even get the opportunity to continue the form. So are we really equal opportunities? Not really. Not really. And then sex. Female players complain all the time. WNBA players are complaining. We don't receive as much pay as NBA players. Female tennis players are complaining. We don't receive enough pay as 
um, the mill tennis players. Actresses are complaining. We don't receive enough pay as the male counterparts. And even in corporates, females are complaining. They are, they are, they've become victims of sexism. There are some females who believe that I have to put in twice as much than the male counterpart for us to even be on the same level. And these are three things that have destroyed the fabric of society today. But thanks be to God that when Jesus Christ came to die, being sent by the Father, he didn't look at any of these three things that will bring a divide to society. Salvation has been made available to the black or the white man. It's been made to every race available. It's been made to every class available. Look, when you come into Christianity, Christianity is not like a bank. Nobody's going to ask you, where is your zip code before you can receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? Nobody's going to ask you, what is the level of your education before you can receive Christ as your Lord and personal Savior? You just come to Christ just as you are because Jesus has made this gift possible because he shed his blood for us. And then sex. There is no sexism. I always say, I believe one of the places a woman has to feel safe is in the church. If a woman cannot feel safe in the world and also can't feel safe in the church, something is really wrong with the leaders. If the world extorts women, church should not extort women. It should be the place where the woman is nourished to live like God and tap into every potential and every ability that the woman has to be able to improve upon society and be influential for the Lord. So there is nothing like sex. Salvation is a gift given to us all if we all believe in Christ. That is the common denominator. Salvation is the common denominator. Now, there are some things to note about being a son of God. In chapter 3, you look at the last verse. It says, if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed, and then you are heirs according to the promise. So there are three things there. Once you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, you are not just a son. You are also Christ's. That means you belong to Christ. And it also means that you will reign with him in the age to come. I find it funny that many people don't take cognizance that one day this world will end. Many people look at this transient world that it is going to be forever. Well, I have news for you. It's not going to be forever. And things on this earth are really temporal. A virus has made nonsense of many things. We have even come to realize that many things on this earth are temporal, just by a common virus. One of the common words that was being thrown out during the virus was essential. If it's not essential, it should close. And many things that we put, many things that we cherished, many things that we placed high value on, it had no relevance because we thought of our lives. Life is very transient. One day, this end of this age will come. And when it comes, ask yourself this question. Where am I going to spend posterity? Where am I going to spend eternity? I'm here to tell you that once you have received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, that is taken care of because you are Christ's. You belong to him and you will reign with him 
in the age to come. The second thing is that you are Abraham's seed. Why are you Abraham's seed? Because when you read your Bible carefully, Abraham was made righteous by belief. And the fact that we are also made righteous by belief, we share the same affinity with Abraham. We are not necessarily Jews per se, but we are talking about Abraham, the steps in which he took to become justified, that, as, that is the same step that we are mirroring in accepting Christ as our Lord and personal Savior. Abraham did not become justified by works. He didn't become justified by the law. He became justified by faith. And how do we become justified? In the Son of Christ, in, in the Son of God, who is Christ. We become justified by faith in Jesus Christ, not by works and not by the law. And that's why we are known as Abraham's seed. The Bible also lets us know that we are heirs according to the promise. And what was the promise? The promise was we will inherit Christ. You are an heir of God. That's good news. I have an inheritance. I've not inherited a mansion. Because what about an earthquake happens? That will be the end of the mansion. Or a flood. I've not inherited money. What about if I don't also live long to enjoy the money? I've inherited something far more greater than anything that the earth can offer. And that is, I am an heir of God. I am an heir of Christ. That's what is called heir according to the promise. Because once upon a time, when the Jew had the message about they were going to be heirs, it meant that one day, Christ was going to live in the temple of man and make this place his home. I'm so glad that I have inherited God. And what is the proof that I've inherited God? I have received the Holy Spirit. Who is the guarantee of that? And that's why yesterday, if you listen to the message, a popular or a common word used there was seal. Amen. Now, when we read chapter 4, it goes ahead to talk about the price involved in experiencing Christ. Why were we called sons of God? What was the price payment? Well, it was a heavy price. If you read from verses 1 to 3, it talks about the Jews who were heirs to the gospel. But they couldn't inherit the gospel with all its great privileges. You know, there were privileges to be, called, to, to be called a son of God. It meant you were Christus. It meant you were Abraham's seed. It meant you were an heir. But they couldn't experience all these privileges. It wasn't afforded to them. Why? Because they were under the cruel whiplash of the law. And ladies and gentlemen, the law cannot justify us. What was the reason why God sent the law? God sent the law so that the law will let people know that what you have done is wrong. God wanted us to come to the end of ourselves. And when we come to the end of ourselves, we will say we need a helper. That's the reason why God gave the law. God did not give the law so that we will become holy. Because if the law could make us holy, if the law could cure sin, there would have been no need for Jesus to come. But God made it so that people will become aware that you are a sinner. And when you, come out, you become aware that you are a sinner, and you realize that there is this high price for me to pay to become righteous, and I can never reach it, you will exclaim for God's help. And that was the perfect picture why God brought the law into consideration. 
So the law was not to make us holy. But what did the Lord do to the Jews? The Bible lets us know that it made them minors. It made them children. They never graduated to full sonship. Why? Because they were under the law, which was like a steward. So the law was like a nanny. I mean, if you're a a minor, you need a nanny. (laughs) If you're 18 plus, you don't need a nanny. You need to ask, can I go and play? Can I go and wee? Can I go and sleep? Can I go and do everything? You will need to ask permission. Well, when the law came, the law was like a nanny to the people. They could not enjoy the full privileges of sonship. They couldn't experience what was to walk in the gifts and in the power of the Holy Spirit. They couldn't experience what it meant to experience freedom and liberty in Christ because the law kept them as stewards. And when Jesus saw this, this caused Jesus to come because the law subjected the Jews and what the law was trying to tell them was that you need help. You are pathetic. You need help. And for this reason, Jesus came. The law accused them of being guilty. So that was the reason for the law. But thank God for Jesus. The law can never make us righteous. When you read Isaiah chapter 64 verse 6, the Bible lets us know that no matter how good your works are, they are as filthy as rags. What will make us righteous is to put our faith in Christ Jesus. That's how we become righteous. Good people don't go to heaven. It's forgiving people who will go to heaven. So if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, every good thing that you are doing, it doesn't suffice. It can't cut it. How good is your good for you to enter into the presence of a holy God? If, if good was to be measured or there was some metric unit to it, how good do you really have to be good before you can experience God's love? We couldn't meet the standards. And that's why Isaiah wrote by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, no matter how good you are, if you haven't received Christ as your Lord and personal Savior, where you've been designated the title a son of God, your work is as good as filthy rags. It's not good enough. There is no amount of money that you can give to charity that can let you escape the wrath of God. There is no amount of good deed that you can do outside Christ that will help you have a future in Christ. It all comes to the place where our faith in Christ Jesus alone is what is going to guarantee us a safe footing. Amen. And for this reason, the Bible lets us know that Jesus was born of a woman under the law. And when Jesus came under the law, the Bible lets us know that he came to redeem the Jews under the law so that all of us could be called sons of God. Because the law was a harsh nanny. The law was not going to make us righteous. It wasn't going to make us free. It wasn't going to graduate us to full sonship where we were afforded all the privileges that Christ had to offer. Christ had to come because God sent him to come and die on the cross 
to redeem us from that cruel whiplash and then now we are under faith what a blessing it was a high price it's a price of redemption if you've ever watched one of those movies before you understand redemption pretty well it's one of those movies where when they kidnap somebody they will call if you don't give me money I'm not going to release your kid and when the money is released in exchange of the kid's life that money is called a ransom Jesus came to put down his life as a ransom so that he will redeem us from the law and the Jews who were redeemed from the law affected all of us that means all of us didn't need to have any form of restriction to come to Christ we can come to Christ and receive him as our Lord and personal Savior and we can be called sons and heirs. We are heirs because we have inherited something. We are sons because now God is our Father. And the Holy Spirit gives us that expression that makes us be able to call him Father. Not everybody can call God Father. Because it is a working of the Holy Spirit. Most, the average person will see God as a creator. But to see God as a father, it is a working of Christ. The Bible lets us know that the Holy Spirit cries in our spirit, Abba, Father. He gives us a sense of sonship that we no longer relate with God as a creator. We now relate with him as a father. The relationship becomes more personal. We have been adopted, as the Bible says, to be called sons. Under the Greek times, if you were adopted, there were certain procedures that happened. Your name was changed. Your family was changed. Your status was changed. Your death was cancelled. And it was always done in the presence of witnesses. And may I submit to you this morning that our salvation experience mirrors that. Our name was changed. We are no longer called sinners, but we are called the righteousness of God, sons of God, children of God, because we are Christus, we are Abraham's seed, we are heirs according to the promise. Our status was changed. We are no longer slaves. In fact, if you look at the biblical meaning of the word slave, it means one who commits sin against his own free will. That's real slavery. Slavery is when you are addicted to something and you don't have the power to say no. And post-Christ, all of us had our wills broken by the devil and we did things that we did not want to do. We were helpless. But the Bible lets us know that once we have received Christ as our Lord and personal Savior and come into his adoption as a son, that status has changed. We are no longer slaves, but we are free. We are sons of God. The Bible lets us know that our debts are canceled. If you are a son of God, I'm here to declare that your debt of sin, which is heavy, is cancelled. Nobody has a right to refer to you to, by your past mistakes and by what you have done because your debts have indeed been cancelled. As you sit here, think of yourself this morning. Have you received Christ into your life as your Lord and Savior? Are you living for him? Are you serving him? Is the power of sin broken over your life? 
Do you truly feel like a child of God? Are you sure you are going to heaven? There are many people that cannot answer that. And if you have assurance of salvation, that's one of the very things you are sure of. Do you truly feel like a child of God? Do you feel scared when you hear the words, end times, judgment, heaven and hell? Chai Bada has forehead of prayer. God has invited us into a realm of sonship. As we leave soon, think of your salvation. Christ has paid a heavy price so that you can receive it freely. If you're unsure, you are the person I want to pray for this morning. The Bible says, harden not your hearts. I tell you the truth, you may go to church again, I'm very sure. But what I can guarantee you is that you might never hear this kind of message again. So what are you going to do? God had all of us in mind, especially you. And that's why I'm preaching this today. We are sons and heirs. God wants to welcome us into his family. Make a reservation for the preservation of your soul. It's good to plan for life, plan for your finances, plan for your health. But what is also most important is plan for your soul. Where is your soul going to spend eternity? The Bible says, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world? but loses his soul. Don't lose your soul at the expense of life. I want to pray for you. If you are here and you believe I am the one that needs prayer to receive Christ as my Lord and personal Savior and be sure of my salvation, I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you. You could just raise up your right hand if you are here. Thank you. If you've lifted up your right hand, say this with me. Heavenly Father, thank you for coming into my life. I accept the payment and the free gift of salvation. I declare I will serve you, Lord, for the rest of my days. I make you Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord, that the power of sin is broken over my life. I declare I am a child of God. I am Christus. I am Abraham's seed and I am an heir to the promise that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Amen. Amen. Congratulations. God bless you. You are a son. You are an heir of God. Give the Lord a clap of praise. Amen. Walk in the liberty and in the power of the Spirit. The Bible says that we should stand fast in the liberty wherein Christ has set us free.
and we should not be entangled again in the yoke of bondage. You are a new being. You are a new creation. Now, just take the necessary steps of discipleship by joining a good church and by learning what it truly means to walk as a child of God. Amen. God bless you all. All right. I want to pray for everybody, okay? Before we go. I think it's important. Shall we all stand to our feet? I want to pray a word of blessing upon everybody here. So, let's just lift up our right hand. Father, I pray for everybody here listening to me at the sound of my voice. I pray for recent college graduates. May your favor be upon them. I pray for people who are also working. Let them experience your goodness and your mercy at all times. I pray that may you become their sufficiency in all things and be their provider. I pray for anybody who has a prayer topic and who is expecting you to come through to meet them at their point of need. I pray that as we leave this place, let it be the manifestation of fulfilled desires and answered prayer requests. I pray for anybody among here who is suffering who has any ill health. I pray, let your healing power touch that person right now in the name of Jesus. I pray for anybody who has the yearning and the desire to live for you and to serve you. I thank you for the Holy Spirit that will make it possible. For your word has said that it is God that wills in us to do according to your good pleasure. I thank you that all things are working together for our good. And Father, as we live here, I pray an abundance of blessing upon your people. I pray an avalanche of success upon your people. I pray an abundance of prosperity upon your people. Bless the work of people's hands here in the name of Jesus. That they will have more than enough to be a blessing to everybody. May people experience your grace, your sufficient grace that is ever abounding. I pray that may anybody here not lack in the name of Jesus. I pray that whoever is listening to me has any sort of fear and trepidation. I pray that let your peace come upon that person in the name of Jesus. I pray that may we experience soul satisfaction as we live this place in the name of Jesus. I thank you for what you have done in the lives of your people. I pray for great testimonies upon their lives. Father, I pray that that hard desire that they, they have, may it be met in the name of Jesus. Give them a testimony. Even as we enter into the month of June and as we go through the next few months of the year of 2021, I pray your blessing upon everybody in the name of Jesus. I pray that may we be protected from every sickness, every virus, and every disease in the air. I pray that may you become a strong tower, O oh Lord, to us, Lord. For the righteous will run into it and we shall be saved. We thank you that we are a club of righteous people. And because of that, the covenant protection is working for us 24-7, 365 days in a year. I thank you, O oh Lord, that you will begin to inspire and minister to people 
your precepts upon precepts that we will live truly for you. Thank you, O Lord. We declare the end of this camp meeting in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. All right. God bless you. Thank you. All right.